Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Anselmo, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Velacci. Nick, the Jays beat the Detroit Tigers, taking two games of three up in Detroit. They now are hosting the Baltimore Orioles after taking another victory at Rogers Center last night, 11-1, and currently have three games left against Baltimore before a huge series with New York. Nick, how are you feeling about this current Jays run right now? I'm feeling pretty good. The bats are definitely alive. I think they're ranked, if I'm not mistaken, I saw something where they were ranked number one in average since uh, May 24th, I believe the day was. So definitely as of late, the bats have come alive. They're, you know, more like what we've kind of expected going into the season. And I think it'll only improve. You know, there's still guys like Chapman who are going to, you know, definitely find that role that they fit into. And, and all the bats are coming alive. We saw Vladdy pick up multiple hits, a home run. He, hopefully he can really get it going. Because I think he's really the one big thing. And we'll get into it a little bit later. But I think he's the deciding factor into how good this offense really can be. He's been okay so far this year. But if he can unlock that MVP level play like last year, there's no telling how good this offense can be. You know, one thing that really impressed me this series was, you know, how much praise we gave Tariq Skubal. And, you know, that matchup against Ross Stripling, you know, it looked like the Jays were at a disadvantage there heavily as we previewed that series. But, you know, the Jays actually pulled out that victory in pretty convincing fashion. You know, they win 6-0. Stripling with another awesome performance as a starter. Now, we know me and you both have talked about how Stripling does better in these kind of spot starts compared to his usual spot in the rotation. We also saw that with the Dodgers as well. Pete Walker's done phenomenal in changing his game. Um, but, you know, this is a guy down the line here where he's that perfect swing man. He's that perfect mold for what the Jays need him to be. You know, his contract, it's not very long left in Toronto. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Are you nervous about potential teams paying this guy? Uh, because right now he looks like an absolute perfect swing man for any team league-wide. Uh, I mean, look, there'll definitely be suitors. Uh, there's not a lot of teams that would say no to somebody as versatile as him. Uh, but I think the one thing that is on our side is the fact that he is kind of up there in age. Uh, he's not very young. So I can't imagine somebody's going to overly pay for him because, again, like we've established, he's never going to be that, uh, you know, like, uh, what am I thinking of? Like, you know, that stationary guy in the rotation. You know, he's not going to be that solidified 3-4 guy in your rotation. He's just not, right? So he's not going to get paid like one. Uh, nonetheless, I do think he'll get a decent contract. I can't imagine it's one that's very long. Um, I'm sure he'll try to get the longest one that he can, given that he, I guess he doesn't know if he'll get a better opportunity than this one to get as much money out of it as he can. Uh, so I think over, overall, like, there definitely will be some sort of uh, suitors and some sort of competition, but I wouldn't be too worried about, you know, re-signing him because I think if the front office believes he's the best piece for this situation, then we'll see him return. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think Stripling likes playing in Toronto. I think he loves Pete Walker as well. Although I thought that with Steven Matz and, you know, Robbie Ray too. So we saw how those situations ended up. But 
You know, when he was first acquired from the Dodgers, a lot of people had mixed opinions. A lot of people thought his career was behind him. I was a big fan of his, you know, over his majority of his MLB career. I've always been a Stripling kind of guy. Uh, you know how much I watch the National League. And, uh, you know, Stripling came over. He's, you know, had his ups and downs here with the blue and white threads as well in Toronto. But, you know, I still think this is a quality player, and I would love to have him here next season. Maybe, the, you know, for the next two to three seasons, I think he's going to get a pretty nice pay. I saw some people on Twitter projecting the 8 to $10 million range. Uh, you know, Rogers and this Toronto Blue Jays management team definitely have the financials to pay a guy like Ross Stripling. So it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, pans out. We also know that, you know, the young stars are eventually going to need to be paid here in Toronto too. So it's going to be interesting to see how this management, you know, pays its players. But uh, since we're talking about money right now and, you know, we're concluding this wrap-up of the Detroit series, which, you know, I think there's much more positive than negatives to take from it. And, you know, I'm really encouraged with how the Blue Jays are performing. But since we're talking about financials, you know, the Jays made a splash in free agency when they signed Hunjin Ryu. Uh, he was supposed to be the ace here in Toronto, uh, you know, left-hand pitcher from the Dodgers at the time. He was a big name in free agency. I think he was like the third uh, name uh, in most power rankings of that free agency uh, year. I think Garrett Cole was number one at the time. So, you know, there was some pretty heavy uh, pitchers in the market then. And, you know, the Jays were not a team that was rumored to be up in that market for, you know, a high-end pitcher like that. But they surprised the baseball world by really going out after Hunjin Ryu and giving him quite the pay. Uh, the reason we're bringing this up, though, is because I'm not sure if you've heard the news or listeners have heard yet by the time they're listening to this, but Hunjin Ryu season has officially concluded. He will not be pitching uh, any time throughout this season as he is on his way to Tommy John surgery, which is probably the, you know, Hardest injury, hardest surgery in this sport, I believe, in my opinion. What do you think, Nick? Uh, well, I will say that you know, as technology, uh, as you know, uh, stuff's improved, and we've uh, you know gotten uh, more advanced as a, a society, especially medically. That Tommy John isn't what it once was in terms of like you know, if you get it, it's career's over. But given the circumstances around this uh, and how old Hunjin really is, I just don't see you know. Uh, a reality where he comes back you know i don't know i i'm of the opinion that he may have possibly thrown his last pitch as a blue jay uh and possibly like his career i mean maybe he comes back and you know signs some one-year deal or whatever that might be if he really wants it and his heart's in it but i don't think he's going to be back in a blue jays uniform even next year if they do go tommy john route i know that they're not for sure certain on it they just know that it's going to be elbow surgery of some sort but uh yeah no i think that you know given that like tommy john isn't what it once was uh, we see pitchers come back from it all the time now, but given his age, uh, amongst other things, I just, I don't see it. I think that this is, uh, you know, this po quite possibly could be the end to the uh, Blue Jay chapter in his career. Yeah, you know, I agree. Uh, as we, you know, advance as a society, it seems like Tommy John is, you know, improving. I remember when it used to be, you know, kind of almost a two-year uh, injury. It's definitely something that, you know, I have personal attachments to because, you know, obviously there's a lot of players that, you know, once they have this type of injury, they sometimes never really come back. And, you know, some of my favorite pitchers uh, throughout my time watching baseball as, you know, a younger fan, some of my favorite players have, you know, really hit the drywall after the surgery. And, 
you know, Hunter and Ryu at his age, I, I have serious, serious, you know, doubt about his future status as an MLB player. I know me and you have talked about that as well. It's, you know, something that you kind of felt was going to come down the road here at some point. Every time it, he pitched, it seemed like he was battling something. This season in 27 innings, he has a 5.67 ERA, 16 strikeouts and four walks. Definitely not the pitcher the last two seasons that the Blue Jays thought that they were paying for, which I found interesting because, you know, at age 35, he is a lefty, but, you know, there's a lot of talk around baseball and there's kind of that, you know, like, I don't want to say unwritten rule because it's not really an unwritten rule, but it's like those like myths where, you know, lefties kind of get better with age. And, you know, we saw that with Jay Happ, uh, you know, the guy we spoke about last episode as well is kind of like that Jose Quintana. You know, there's that ongoing myth of, you know, lefties get better as they get older, which is, you know, something that I don't think you can scientifically prove or anything, but it's just something that I, I didn't think Hunjin Ryu was going to age this badly. Uh, and this contract really looks... Uh, you know, like a dagger in uh, the Blue Jays financials because this is a guy they really, I told you, nobody expected the Jays to be up there in that free agency window with the top end pitchers. And they went out and made a splash. And that first year with Henjin Ryu, he was quality. You know, he was uh, in that Cy Young race. He did really well with the Blue Jays. But, you know, after that shortened season, he just really hasn't lived up to the Henjin we were expecting. And I just want to get your opinion. Like, do you think that his time with the Blue Jays is done now, like for good? Uh, yeah. I mean, sadly, sadly, I do. I don't. I just like I like I mentioned before. It's a little different when a guy's younger. He's got hunger for the game still, or even like you know, he's chasing a paycheck that he never got. But you know, Hunjin kind of ticks every box. The guy succeeded at this level. Uh, he's gotten paid well. He's really up there in age. Uh, I will say, though, on one note um, about the whole thing, I, yeah, like you said, I didn't expect him to kind of have these injuries, uh, given that he's never been a hard-throwing lefty. You know, he's a movement command guy. So I did figure that he would age semi-gracefully. Uh, you know, not necessarily that I thought, he, you know, he'd be, uh, he'd improve, uh, but I definitely didn't think that we'd see such a sharp fall-off. But again, you know, when your time's up, your time's up. You only got so many, uh, so many uses in that arm. Uh, so clearly, you know, it took its toll on him. Uh, not sure if you're going to get into this earlier, if you know, if this is something you wanted to touch on. But I will say that the, uh, you know, for everything that we do say about Hunjin and everything that we've uh, kind of said, the guy's had a tremendous career. Uh, and without, uh, you know, without him signing here, I don't think this roster looks like uh, what it does right now. I think he, him coming here as a big free agent really paved the way for, you know, the, the next few big signings that we made. What do you think? Oh, 100%. He really sped up the Jays' rebuild, uh, not only in terms of play, but in terms of, like you said, the outlook on the franchise league-wide. Like, uh, you know, I said for no, it's gonna be the third time on this podcast, uh, the Jays weren't, you know, a top team in free agency at that time. You know, they, they were coming off a down year. They started to get the life, the young studs into the lineup. You know, we had the BGO run, Bichette when he first came up, Guerrero. The hype was around the team, but... You know, a lot of people talked about that pitching staff right at that time. They're like, okay, well, the Jays have these tremendous young hitters. They have Nate Pearson in the pipeline. You know, they have all these other pieces, but they don't have that rotation right now to make this team push for the playoffs. And, you know, they go on in free agency. They spend money on Hunjin Ryu. And that first season, you know, he did tremendous for them. Like I said, he was clearly the ace of that staff. Unfortunately, that playoff game, that wild card game in Tampa Bay didn't go Hunjin's way, but – you know, that season, you know, if Hunjin doesn't sign here, I don't think the Jays make the playoffs that year. And, you know, down the road here, I think that game being in the playoffs is going to be, um, you know, 
we're going to be seeing it as a positive this, uh, you know, fall because I think now you're going to see Bichette and Vlad, even though that was only two games in the playoffs, was, you know, that double wild card thing with the weird shortened season. But still, that was playoff experience. Um, so I think down the road, that's going to pay, uh, you know, some good to this lineup. And, you know, Hunjin's career league-wide, you know, if you want to talk about back at this time with L.A., remember, this guy was an all-star, all-star game starter, actually. And uh, he was, you know, a top-end pitcher for a lot of years. A lot of people had doubts if he could become the ace of, you know, a franchise. And, you know, when he came over here, he surpassed everybody's, you know, doubts. He did really well. And without him, you're completely right. There's no way this Jays team is where it is right now. And, you know, if this is it for Hunjin Ryu, he has my full respect. Uh, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about the contract and how that's going to be a dagger for the Blue Jays financials here uh, because, you know, he's still under contract for next season. But I just want to ask you quickly here. Do you think that the Jays are going to try and move Hunjin this offseason now with that contract still here? Obviously, you know, his trade value is going to be absolutely at its lowest. You're probably going to have to add, you know, a top prospect or something along with it to a franchise that has the financial flexibility and they'll be willing to take a reclamation project and hope they get something out of them or just take the prospect along with it and, you know, kind of take that for free. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't see a world where they move him just because I think the like the cost of moving him would be so much. Like again, I think you know you're looking at you know a far, far you know in the negative in terms of value. Uh, you know what Hunjin's become, just given the fact that we don't know if he's going to return. Uh, we don't know if he'll return even half as good as how he is right now, which clearly isn't very good. Um, and given his age, you know, it, it just all those things considered, uh, you know, it's not like there's some. Um, potential growth uh because he's you know he's he's not exactly uh you know a young guy anymore so i don't think that there's a realistic trade package there unless you really want to part with a prospect but i think given the timeline that the jays are on you know they can kind of um delay their big signings in terms of their young guys they do have that uh to their advantage so i don't think you know the extra 20 million or whatever the exact number maybe i think it is 20 million 20 million but you know, whatever that exact number is, I don't think they're in a rush because, again, it would only be one more season that they'd have to eat that. Um, I mean, if it gets to the point where it is so detrimental uh, to the team, uh, you know, I'm sure either, you know, they'll, they'll make a move to move them, although, you know, our farm system isn't what it was given that all these guys have graduated now. So I don't know if they have the depth to make that happen. Uh, but nonetheless, I trust the farm office will do what's necessary, whether that is move them or not. It all just kind of comes down to uh, where they think the, the money's most uh, – most, uh, or I guess most usefully allocated. Uh, and, you know, if they don't think that it's a necessity to move off that money, then they won't. And I think I have full faith in them to do what's best. You know, after looking this offseason at hard, uh, sorry, at how hard it was for the San Diego Padres to move a guy like Hosmer, um, you know, there was obviously that close trade with the Mets. That comes to mind because we know he's an albatross at first base. Well, actually, he's having a good season, but last season he had a negative war. Um, you know, really didn't provide much offense at the plate. He was kind of in this situation like Hunjin. Obviously, he makes a lot more money um, than a first baseman that he gave you you would like. And the Padres really tried to go to move him. They couldn't. And so the Padres have some of the best prospects in the league. I think they're still top five in MLB prospect pipelines, or they might be top 10 now after Mackenzie Gore has graduated this season. But you know, that just shows me how hard it is to move these contracts nowadays. It's not as easy as it was before. Um, you know, since COVID, a lot of teams are, you know, a lot more financially compact. And 
you know, like you said, there's only another year left on Hunjin's contract. So maybe, you know, I kind of, I, I have some hope that we might see Hunjin come back later next season. The reason for me thinking that is, you know, the Jays next season, I think you're going to have a very familiar team to what you see this year. Obviously, we know a lot of guys are under contract, you know, in terms of talking about the core. Um, but I think, you know, next season, we're probably going to see midway through the year, this team's going to have, you know, ups and downs. There's going to be injuries for sure. But I think since you have that much money tied up to Hunjin Ryu, I think that, you know, he might not come back as, you know, a top rotation starter, but he might come back and be able to give your team, you know, some spot starts here and there down the road. Um, I don't think he's a guy that you would see on your playoff roster next fall, but I think Hunjin Ryu might have, you know, maybe four to five starts down the line there just to give the rotation a break. Cause I think now the Jays are certainly going to go out and look uh, at another starter. Now, as we approach the deadline, you know, as we approach the all-star break, you know, there's plenty of options, you know, you can go team to team and pull apart names, but uh, you know, I think right now, I think Hunjin, you might see a couple more starts out of him but not very much. I think he, he's going to finish out that contract. And I think after those couple of games with the Jays, it depends how well he does. I don't think he's going to come back and give you ace numbers. Like I said, he's going to give you maybe a four ERA. Uh, I think something a little better than this season, actually, you know, his five ERA, we saw some ups and downs. There's games where he actually played good. We saw, you know, what he did against the LA Angels when he went up against Shohei. But, you know, like I said, I, I think his, his time is pretty much done in this league, unfortunately. I have a lot of respect for the guy. The guy, you know, he's a great person as well. Every fan I've spoken to that's met the guy outside of uh, Rogers Center always says he's super nice, always friendly, taking pictures, no matter what's going on in his life or what's going on with the Jays team. Even when they were in a rut, he was still taking pictures with fans and all that stuff with his big smile. So I have tons of respect for him. You know, he's also a battler. I have to admit, you know, we we saw how much work he put in this offseason. He went even to, you know, familiar coaching staff around the world. Uh, to try and develop his game and get back to where he was uh, in that short season. I just think, you know, this hill is going to be a lot to climb. Like you said, he's already achieved so much in his career. He's got that contract. I don't think there's going to be much motivation to come back, uh, you know, and perform, like you said, like a guy that's in his younger age who has that fight and, you know, looking for that contract as well. But I do think down the road next season, you might see him creep into the picture as kind of that spot filler uh, and kind of give back to the Blue Jays and, you know, the fans here in the management that's believed them. And, you know, one more thing, sorry, before I give it back to you is uh, Thursday, isn't it a Jersey giveaway? Uh, the Thursday game against Baltimore? Yeah. yeah, that's correct. It is. Oh, I, I feel bad. Like, you know, this guy, he's loved so much in the city. Like you said, he was the reason this team turned the franchise into a winning team. And, you know, without him, who knows where we are right now, but it sucks. And it's, that's something that happens in the sport. Unfortunately, it's one of the dirtiest injuries uh, you know, in all professional sports, but unfortunately in baseball, we see it the most. But with that, let's go to something a little bit more positive, and uh, that's Gabriel Moreno. And, you know, he's really impressed me. You know, he hasn't had the, I guess, home run yet or the splash plays, but Moreno's a guy that, like, me and you talked about. You know, young player, catcher, top prospect. Look at the guy that's batting fourth for the Baltimore Orioles tonight, Adley Rushman. You know, I think a lot of people have – very high hopes for this player you know how can you not right looking at what he did in the minors but tell me are you like nervous about how the fans are kind of getting on his case so far you know they're like this isn't kind of the buzz we expected yet I know the more hardcore baseball fans and the more driven Jays fans know that it's gonna take time he's slowly gonna come around he already has his first hit which I think is pretty cool 
but uh you know what do you think about you know kind of the social media reactions of you know he has to kind of like you know get his bat more involved yeah i mean anybody who thought he was going to come up and be like alejandro kirk was just insane uh you know i think that was probably the most unrealistic expectation for a guy like that to come up well i think we were spoiled a little bit because obviously what kirk did when he came up is just unheard of like the guy hadn't played above high a and he's coming up and he's raking at the major league level like that's not normal that's not supposed to happen you know what i mean and i think you know, that kind of skews our viewpoint where, you know, we've been spoiled with good rookie performances for sure. We've had Bo do his thing. Biggio definitely did his thing. So, you know, we, we definitely as a franchise, you know, we definitely aren't as patient as others may be, but look, just look at the guy, like you mentioned, that's, you know, right across in the other uh, dugout, Ali Rutschman, the, the guy's a stud as well, but you know, you can see he's clearly struggling at this level. It takes time. What I'm more like to focus on is kind of how the guy handles himself in these games. And I can tell right away that Moreno is a phenomenal defender. You know, he looks very comfortable back there. Uh, it'll improve as he gets more comfortable at the major league level, you know, once he gets more accustomed to uh, everything and like all the, um, you know, the pitching staff and the environment and being there uh, in Rogers Center for every start or not every start, but, you know, for uh, quite a bit of starts, you know, it, it takes time. You, know, you can't expect too much out of a guy this early into his career. Um, but, you know, as we know, the guy has tools. You know, I, I saw the guy's first throw at the major league level be an absolute dot to Bo Bichette, who unfortunately dropped it. But, you know, that's the kind of thing. He looks very uh, uh, methodical behind the play. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He's very comfortable back there. And it'll only improve with time. You know, he's, he's not going to be the most offensive heavy guy, which is what we kind of got to understand. And especially being a contact first guy, like, you know, it does take time. You know, we're seeing all these top hitters. Uh, our top hitting prospects like Spencer Torkelson, you know, nobody really got off to these massive hot starts. It's not common, right? But nonetheless, uh, I've been, you know, given that my expectations weren't sky high and I wasn't expecting him to come up and set the world on fire, I have been, uh, you know, I've been okay. I've been happy with kind of what I've seen so far because I know that it'll only improve. The kid's super talented and I think we'll see that moving forward. One thing I think it's cool is that, uh, Tonight at Rogers Center, since he's making his debut, uh, there's Moreno jerseys now available in the team shop, which I think is awesome. Uh, you know, yeah, you're, you said that perfect. You hit the nail on the head. This is a young player. He's got tons of potential. You know, I'm high on his bat. I think his bat is slowly going to flourish. Obviously, he has to grow into, a, you know, a real-time major league player. You look around league-wide, right, some of the best hitters, like we're talking the top of the top best hitters in the minor leagues, you know, first name that comes to mind, Spencer Torkelson. He's having a slow start. We just saw him in the last series as well, right? You know, that was a pure power hitter. Um, and, you know, he's really struggled uh, so far in, ma in the majors. Look at Mike Trout, right? Mike Trout's another guy that struggled uh, with offense when he first came up, and he was sent back down to AAA, and, you know, he turned into Mike Trout, who's arguably the best player in the league over the last 10 years. So, you know, Mike Trout, that's, you know, always I'm going to compare to young top-hitting prospects that struggle. You can't give up right away. And, you know, this guy, it's going to be his third game tonight. And for people jumping on him for his third game, like, I'm sorry, but I think that's hilarious because, you know, this is, you know, a lot of people who complain and who drive the narrative of, you know, he's going to be a bust because he has maybe, let's say he finishes from, let's say he plays the majors from here on out and he finishes with about, what, a 226 average or something like that. People are going to say he's a bust. Uh, he was overhyped, you know. They're going to say it's Toronto media, all that stuff. But people have to understand how much of a change it is going from, you know, class A, double A, triple A, going to the majors. 
that jump is so high. And I know you know the, the most because you play high-level baseball. Um, but, like, that's just something to me. I think people have to be patient because I think this is a phenomenal player. You're going to see the best come soon. And I think tonight he's going to have a big game. He knows that he's catching for the Blue Jays in his first game at Rogers Center. And the guy that he's going to be playing tonight that's catching for the opposing team is the top catching prospect in all of baseball. And I love Adley Rushman. And his season offensively hasn't been perfect either. But these are two top young catchers. And I think down the road here, we are going to be seeing these two guys potentially being in that competition for AL starter uh, at the All-Star game uh, in the catching spot down the road here. So with that, let's go to, um, you know, the Baltimore series. Now, as we wrap up this episode and just kind of go through projections, uh, you know, with the, you know, Kikuchi on the mound tonight. Lyles for Baltimore, he's had an all right season. Their ERAs are kind of similar, but I think the Jays, you know, they have, they have the advantage tonight. Like look at what Vladdy Guerrero has done so far. And I love that comparison to his father. Uh, you know, the 87 home runs in 403 games with the same average at 363. I think that's so cool. Like, what are the odds of that happening? But let's just run through the Baltimore series quick here, Nick. Uh, what matchup to you? You know, I already spoke about Kikuchi and Lyles. Uh, it's going to be a nice pitching duel, I think, tonight. Um, what do you think, uh, you know, is in store for the series? Yeah, I mean, what I'm really looking for is I'm really looking for Yusei uh, to bounce back here, uh, given that he's coming off one of the most, like, you know, abysmal starts that he's had in a while. Uh, definitely not a good one. Uh, I'm speaking specifically to the uh, Kansas City one where, you know, he only lasted, didn't even finish the first inning, uh, you know. So really looking for him to bounce back here. We have mentioned that he is a very uh, hot and cold kind of pitcher, kind of, you know, you never really know who's showing up to the ballpark. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out here and strikes out nine over six or something like that. You know, I think that's very possible for him. Uh, and I just want to mention that, like, you know, the Baltimore Orioles aren't as bad as we have seen them in the past. Uh, you know, had they not played in the AL East, they might even be like a third place in the division kind of team. But unfortunately, they play in probably the toughest division in all of baseball. And I'm sticking to that, considering we have uh, the top four teams are all holding a playoff spot at the moment. But yeah, look, they're, they're, they're a better team than they've been in the past. That said, uh, you really want to see something here because, you know, last time out against a soft hitting uh, Kansas City team, like that can't happen. You can't go less than an inning. So that's my main thing I want to watch uh, throughout the rest of the series. And also just, uh, I guess we can go for uh, Brios to start too. I want to see him continue uh, kind of this uh, run he's been on as of late. You know, he's definitely improved. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the last two starts, he's been fantastic. So I guess we're looking to, you know, see if he can carry on that momentum and really uh, keep it moving forward. As far as the, the Orioles starters, there's not really much to say there. Um, I mean, Bruce Zimmerman was kind of hot at the beginning of the season, uh, but then, you know, he's just basically been getting shelled since then. Uh, so there, there's really not much to say as far as that's concerned. Uh, I'm just hoping to see the offensive, uh, the offense sustain itself uh, throughout the rest of the, the series. And yeah, that's about it. So my big watches are just Yusei and Brios. Yusei for the bounce back and Brios just to hopefully carry the momentum. Yeah, one thing, you know, you said the Baltimore Orioles are much better this season. I have to agree with that. You know, a lot of people call this team scrappy, but I struggle to call them a scrappy team because they have so much talent here. If you really dive into this roster, you know, Cedric Mullins is one of my favorite players league wide, like that guy, I will take any day on my team. You know, they have tons of young players like they, for what they're doing this season and, you know, being in that top three threshold of uh, financial rosters in the majors, you know, they're up there with the pirates and I forget who's the third team. Uh, but, you know, it's just impressive to me, you know, Jorge Mateo is another guy that, 
you know, he hasn't had the bat offensively, but I love the energy he brings, um, you know, especially on the defensive side of things as well. He's got great speed. Uh, he's still only 26 years old. You know, he was another prospect that was highly touted. Mountcastle is another one of my favorite players. You know, his bat, 254 average this season. He's got power as well with nine home runs. Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't call them scrappy. Yes, they do have some scrappy players in Odor, <laughs> you know, uh, former Texas Ranger and New York Yankee, not very loved here in Blue Jays Nation. But, you know, to call them a scrappy baseball team, I wouldn't call them that. I think they have some nice young stars here. And down the road, this is going to be one of the top teams in the majors with how many, you know, key pieces they have here and, you know, their prospects being uh, highly rated. Mancini's the guy that I'm hoping can find his bat towards what we saw closer to last season. Obviously, he's, you know, been way better now than what we saw at the start. Uh, six home runs this season, 25 RBIs, a 290 average. His start was so slow. And, you know, I had him in fantasy, so, you know, I was very well aware of that. But Mancini's starting to turn it on. He's day-to-day with a hand injury. But, uh, you know, this team is very underrated, I think. You know, people look at the teams in this division and they beat up on the Orioles. Uh, but, no, Baltimore certainly in the right direction. They're heading that way like you said, Nick. So, you know, have to give credit where credit is due. But I'm very confident in the Jays this series. I think they could get a sweep here for sure. That's my prediction. Uh, I think that tonight's game is definitely going to be the toughest. You know, Lyles, former Texas Ranger, he's had an all right season. Uh, but Kikuchi has been the up and down pitcher here in uh, the Toronto rotation despite Hunjin Ryu. So if we get a quality start from Kikuchi tonight, I have no doubts in the offense um then you know you already mentioned Zimmerman Barrios I like that matchup as well for the Jays I'm hoping Barrios can continue that fine run of form he's gonna be back in Toronto uh with the fan base so I'm expecting him to play well um and then you got Gosman against Wells Wells has probably been the best Baltimore starter this season so far you know his ERA 3.86 he has a three and four record um you know not a ton of innings pitch but you know still been kind of their best guy um 33 strikeouts on the year, 11 walks. But, you know, look who he's going against, right? He's going against Cy Gauz, who's 5-5, five and five, a 268 ERA, you know, 5-5. I, I was going to say, it, it should be almost criminal that he has five losses on the year. It's actually, yeah, like, right. unreal. Like, we talked about that in an episode prior. Like, it is insane how he is 5-5 five and five and he's been this good. But, uh, you know, yeah, I have full faith in uh, this Jays team here before we uh, get a nice series with the New York Yankees, which I actually cannot wait for. So, I'm hoping the Jays can kind of at least take three or four. I think a sweep is possible for sure, especially if Kikuchi can pull it out tonight because uh, that buffer going into the series against the Yankees, I think you would be happy with a split there um, at minimum. So, you know, any last things you want to touch on before we wrap up this episode? Well, first of all, I want a series win. I won't be happy with a split against the Yankees, okay? We need to start making some ground. Mind you, you know, the, the stress on the whole winning the division thing isn't nearly as big as it once was given the new playoff format. Uh, now that three teams make it uh, and you are guaranteed a three-game series, uh, I mean, it's not really that big of a deal, in my opinion, uh, to win the division as much now. Um, other than the home field advantage, that's basically the one big thing um, and the first round bye, I guess. But, yeah, no, other than that, that's about it. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to see a sweep here just given the fact that, you know, that's perfect momentum to ride in uh, – against the Yankees with. So uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking for, but that's all for me. So what do you, anything else or we can wrap it up? No, I think uh, we both said all we wanted to for today's episode. Um, you know, it was kind of a tougher one to record since Hunjin Ryu is officially done for the season, but I think we can wrap it up there. I want to wish Hunjin the best in his recovery. 
you know, we don't know for sure if it's going to be a full Tommy John yet, but, uh, you know, hoping we can see him back in a Blue Jays uniform down the road here because, uh, you know, he's a great guy and, you know, one of the best pitchers of our generation in the last decade or so. So, you know, that's all for me. And uh, thank you guys for listening to today's episode of the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. And we'll be with you guys, including the end of the series of the Baltimore Orioles versus Toronto Blue Jays as we preview the very big series between the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees. Thank you guys for listening. That's all for me and Nick.